We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. And our sponsor this week is Untuck It. Shout out to them. Ricky O'Donnell is off this week. So this is Jason just coming at you talking about the Bulls. I will have a guest, Ty Windish of our uh, uh, the Eurostep, which is our great Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. He will be joining me a bit later to talk about Bulls Bucks. They play on Monday, the Bucks in general, the race for the eighth seed, all that fun stuff. First, I will talk recap the, the last week of the Bulls. The Bulls only played two games this past week with all the Christmas fun stuff, all that going on. They started the week playing in Orlando to wrap up a four-game road trip. They actually had a chance to move into a tie for the number eight seed if they would have won that game. Unfortunately, they their offense melted down in the fourth quarter. They only scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. They just kind of ran out of gas against a, a very athletic, very long Orlando Magic team who plays really good defense. Uh, that was a 103-95 loss, so that unfortunately dropped the Bulls back. Two games back at the eighth seed at that point, and then they had like a four or five-day layoff. They got to really nice little Christmas break for them, they, and so they didn't play again until they faced the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, on Saturday night, and the Atlanta Hawks have basically been a Bulls. Uh, the Bulls have been able to use them as a punching bag basically all season. This is the third. This is the third matchup between the Bulls and Hawks this season. All three games, the Hawks uh, were on the second of a back-to-back, so kind of they got kind of screwed with that scheduling there. But the Bulls have just blown them out all three games. Uh, the first game was a 20-point game. The second time, which was at the United Center, was a 136-102 game. And then the Bulls just took care of business again uh, on Saturday night, 116 to 81. I was actually in the building, uh, rocking the 300 level with my dad and my brother, so got to watch them. Trey Young did not play in this game. No Jabari Parker in that game either. The Hawks scored the first four points, and the Bulls were like, "That's enough of that." Came out and just dominated the Hawks basically after that quick 4-0 start for them. Uh, it was just kind of a balanced game of scoring for the Bulls. Larry Markin had another another nice shooting game, 25 points on eight of 14 shooting, four of nine from three. While he struggled against the Magic, he has been doing much better. We've talked about this on uh, other pods, that much better December where he's shooting around 50%. He's still not getting as many shots as maybe you'd like, but still nice to see him shooting the ball well against the Hawks. 
Zach Levine had 19 points. It's kind of effortless 7 of 15 shooting night. We saw Wendell Carter Jr. actually hit a couple three-pointers. He never, he basically never shoots threes, but the fact that he took three of them and made two of them was great to see. I believe this was only his second uh, game with two three-point makes uh, in his career, so that's great. That's been a big to- talking point with the Bulls is getting Wendell Carter Jr. to shoot jumpers, so it's nice to see that happen. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky had another nice complete game, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Kobe White, 18 off the bench, 8-11 shooting. So just this is another sal- great performance by the Bulls against the Atlanta Hawks. This performance actually got the Bulls up to 4th in defensive rating this season. That is 4th in the NBA, not just December. I believe they're 2nd in defensive rating in September, uh, or in December, I mean... They are now fourth overall in defensive rating in the entire NBA, which is crazy. We talked a lot at the beginning of the season about how their defensive scheme was was brutal. They were doing all the hard blitzing and all that stuff, and they were always getting out of position, and their shot, their defensive shot profile was ugly. It's still not the best. I still don't think the Bulls are actually a top-five defense in the NBA, but they have gotten a lot better. They, they've, they've been forcing turnovers all season. They're still tops in the league in that. Uh, they've been doing better protecting the rim. Wendell Carter Jr., I think, deserves a lot of credit for that. Obviously, Chris Dunn's been great with the turnovers. He had three more steals against the Hawks. Uh, and I believe he's still leading the league in steals. If he's not, he's really close. So just they've been doing a lot better job with their team defense. Again, their schedule has been easy. Uh, they're still only 13-20. and 20. They've played a lot of bad offenses. And these Hawks games, again, they have, the Bulls have outscored the Hawks by 89 points this season. They've been outscored by 104 points by every other team. So the Bulls have beaten up on some bad teams, which, I mean, the fact that they're actually bum-slaying and not losing to a lot of these bums, they did lo- they were doing that earlier in the year. In December, they've kind of turned into a bum-slaying role, which is good. Which is good. They're 7-6 and six this month, finally beating some of these teams that they should and kind of handling them. Like I said, they've beaten the Pistons. They're 3-0 against them. They've beaten the Hawks. They beat the, the Kings earlier this month. We saw them beat the Clippers when they were shorthanded, so that was nice to see. That was, I believe that's the Bulls' only game where they have... Uh, defeated a team with a winning record, they will get another chance to do that when they play the league-best Milwaukee Bucks on um, Monday night. We're not sure if Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to play. He's been question- He's questionable. He's missed a couple games with a sore back now. Eric Bledsoe looks like he will be back from a leg injury. He's missed a couple of weeks. So with this Bucks matchup coming up, I figured it'd be a good idea to bring in Ty Windish of the Eurostep, our, our uh, great Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Ty, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Anytime you, you know, you come off a back-to-back where you play the Hawks and the Magic and then the Bulls are up next on the schedule, it's easy to feel like you're in a pretty good place. You know, it's pretty pretty easy rolling right now, so I, I can't complain. Yeah, again, Bucks, best team in the league, 29-5. and five. They did have the ugly loss on Christmas, but overall, I mean, you're going to have bad nights. Uh, Giannis is a bit banged up, but he's been absolutely incredible all season. Again, 29-5, plus 13 average point differential. They, they've basically just been historically good this season. Before we get into some Bucks stuff and just uh, the Bulls-Bucks matchup, Ty, just for, coming from the Bucks perspective, obviously the Bucks have been really good for a few years now, and the Bulls ha- have not. But what do you make of this Bulls team? Whatever you've seen, the Bulls and Bucks have played twice this year. The Bulls did play pretty competitive against them in both games. The Bucks did take over down the stretch in both games, and they did end up winning. But what do you make of this Bulls team? They're 13-20. and 20, They're only a game and a half out of the eighth seed. What have you seen out of them? Uh, just when you think about the team right now and their future and how they might match up with the Bucks going forward in the, in the Central Division. They're, they're so interesting to me. I feel like the fact that they're not 
absolutely cratered, uh, which is maybe hard to do in this East. I mean, the Pistons yeah. <laughs> now falling off and just being really, really bad makes it so much easier. I mean, this Pistons team being 12 and 21 is just brutal with Blake and Andre. He's and depre- Blake have. is depressing. If, yeah. The few games I've seen of him this year, and his numbers are just brutal. Oh, it's, it's, it's sad. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, it's it's really rough stuff. I mean, if he's just that guy now, they're they're basically just done. I mean, they won't even be able to get off him. But whatever, this isn't, this isn't last chance's uh, Pistons podcast. But... The the Bulls the fact that they've done so well what, 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 they've had nine games I think of Otto Porter Jr. Uh yeah he's been out since November sixth so yeah he's yeah only nine games they have they have been pretty lucky with injuries besides him but still Porter is obviously a big part of their team with the shooting the offense and he's obviously a solid defensive player as well so yeah he's only played nine games and he I don't think he's gonna be back until like the All Star break yeah that was one oh. I, one update I meant to mention Shams. Trainee of the Athletics said that he's hoping to be back around the All-Star break. We'll see about that. I feel like when they, the most recent update came out, uh, I believe it was on like December 10th, it said he, there was a small fracture found. This injury has just like kept getting worse, progressively worse oh, every no. update they've given. So now I just figure that he's like going to miss the rest of the year. But the recent, most recent update is that he's out until around the All-Star break. Well, hopefully he still has two legs. Um, right, exactly. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so tough that like this is not a team with a lot of NBA wing players. Uh, losing one that, you know, obviously their highest paid wing player, and I'll count Levine as more of a guard, combo guard than a wing, of course, but uh, like the fact that they've still won, not, not so much, but won a decent amount to be within striking range of that eighth seed, I think is really good. I'm interested, they, they have some good guards that have surprisingly played well together. I, I noticed the minutes with Sadoransky, who I like as, as like a, you know, a fine low usage point guard. I always thought he was pretty good. I, I was surprised Washington just didn't have money to keep him with some of the other things that they've done. But, you know, whatever, that's the Wizards. Levine and Dunn, those three together, nearly plus 12 per 100 possessions. Like, their most used lineups have positive net ratings, which really says a lot about, I think, maybe some of the teams they've played. And also the fact that the bench here is just kind of, especially without Porter for most of the year, yeah. is just really, really tough. I mean, I know Kobe White hasn't started at all. He's, I, I mean, from what I've seen, and we've talked about this before, I think just like up and down, like a like he showed the flashes, yeah. but you, you, he's not like a consistently positive player. I, I don't know. It's They're interesting. I still can't believe their defense. I thought I had them as sixth, but I think I was looking at B-ball ref. I know they do it differently and, and weirder and worse than NBA stats. So I'll take your word that they're fourth right now. That's honestly just freaking hysterical to me like I don't I look at this team and I just wonder like how is that possible with the personnel they have and how they're like small but also big and but it's I don't know it's such a weird like there's so many things in this Bulls team that like I expected one thing and they gave me the opposite thing like I thought oh maybe it'll be a good offense because they you know that's what Zach Levine does and they have these modern big guys who like really haven't played that modern and that hasn't happened I thought marketing would take a step forward recently I know he's been doing a little better I know you touched on it already he but overall in the season, I know it wasn't exactly what you were kind of looking for there. And Wendell Carter Jr. is like has good numbers, but hasn't really been playing how he probably should be the modern way. Like, is this just the Jim Boylan experience? Like, nothing makes sense, but it's not awful. Like, is that – I don't know. I don't know how to read this team. It's all very strange to me. It is It is very strange, and I'm with you. Yeah, I thought this year maybe, they'd, yeah, they'd be a fun offensive team. They brought in Chris Fleming from the Nets, and they'd – do the pace and space, shoot a lot of three-pointers thing. And they have been shooting a lot of threes. They have been playing pretty fast. It just really hasn't worked out for them offensively. I believe uh, there's some, they're, they, rank, they were, I think, the worst offensive team in the league 
per, yeah, and I was I was going off NBA the NBA.com. That's, yeah, that, those are the, uh, the stats site. Yeah. yeah, so I mean they're, they're, they do a little different than like cleaning the glass doesn't have. I don't know if, if they're still fourth there. I know they take out garbage time. I haven't looked, but yeah, basically they're around a top five defense and then one of the worst offenses in the league. That is the exact opposite of what I expected. I did not think they'd be a top five offense, but I figured they'd maybe be top half in the league offensively and then like bottom third defensively. So again, yeah, they. I think I mean Boylan has give, gotten a lot of crap. I've given him a lot of crap. Like so, we shed on his the defensive strategy and scheme at the start of the year when it was not working. And and one of the interesting things that I had noticed at the start of the year, I haven't looked at this trend recently, was that they would start great and then as prog- they, progressively as the game would go on, they would get worse and worse. Which meant like to me that would be like okay, they like, they took teams by surprise with the, their super aggressive defense. They forced a lot of turnovers. But then as teams kind of like lock in in the second half, they get used to it, they make adjustments, they take better care of the ball, then the Bull, then they figure out the Bulls' defense and they'd score a lot more. Again, I haven't looked at some of the numbers recently and how that fourth quarter defense has been. I know when the Bulls had that huge comeback against the Wizards the other night, their defense was great in the fourth quarter and they locked down. Some of that was the Wizards being the Wizards and just totally falling apart. But yeah, again, like the Bulls' defense just in general being this good is a shock. I... We'll give Boylan some credit there. As much as I've cra- crapped on him, Ricky's crapped on him, the whole fan base basically hates Jim Boylan. The fact <laughs> that they are top five in defense, opponents aside, how, no matter how lucky you can say they've gotten with some of the shot profile and teams missing three-pointers and opponents missing some of their best players, it's still better than just being just being bad. Like You look at some of these defenses. Like I look at the, like the Hawks last night, and I mean the Wizards and the Cavs, and some of these just awful defenses. No matter who they play, they're giving up tons of points. So, like the fact that the Bulls are shutting down these teams, they should be, and then doing it pretty against other decent teams as well. That's a good sign. Do I think it's going to last when they start playing? Like they got obviously the Bucks tomorrow, Giannis or not. The Bucks are really good even without them. They got the Mavs coming up. They got the Celtics coming up. The Jazz have been playing much better offensively lately. If they can keep doing that against those teams, well, then I'll be really impressed. I'm not necessarily sure if they will. But yeah, like he's a totally weird team. They they lost some really funky games early in this year. Uh, they've they don't really have any good wins. So like I don't actually know if they are decent or not. Even though they're like their average point differential looks okay because their defense has been good. Like it is definitely a weird team. Like I said, I I'm not gonna say they're good. I guess I could call them mediocre, which is a step up from what they were last season, which was absolutely atrocious. So I guess a, a decent step forward. I guess we'll see how they how they do when they, these uh, this tougher schedule comes up because they do have one of the tougher schedules remaining in the, uh, for the rest of the season. Oh, that's brutal. I, I just yeah. like I think if they can get Auto back, and that timeline is not encouraging. So no. I guess we shouldn't really count on that happening soon. I just feel like they need a little bit more help, and not even like top end. Like they just need more bodies. I mean, yeah. this is I'm looking at it right now, just like the basketball reference by minutes and like you know you get to the top five and then you got oh porter's not playing okay so chris dunn has been starting that's been fine i mean he's still not a a very capable offensive player but he can't shoot really but i like his defense i've always been like sort of intrigued by him like hopefully someday he's like a poor man's marcus smart that would work and then kobe white of course who's like the fun rookie like let him play i don't know what's up with that he's young this has been this has been very disappointing to me i really like that signing i remember when he signed there, I was like, oh, that's good for them. He'll help develop the guys. And then there was this weird wave of, like, Bulls are eighth seed, maybe the sixth seed. And I was like, whoa, 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 let's let's rein <laughs> it back a little bit on Thaddeus Young's impact. But has he just – is he banged up and it's not getting out there? Like, I'm, I'm confused on why Thaddeus Young is shooting 39, 32, 60. This is not the Thaddeus Young impact I was – I think, obviously, the Bulls were hoping for. Right. And, like, as a neutral, like, you know, not like a – I'm not a person who I don't I think looks favorably on the Bulls for no reason. I was like, oh, that's a good move for them. He'll he'll be helpful, and that 
It's that's been rough. Yeah, I agree as well. Yeah, I like the move. He was really good with the Pacers last season. One of the big problems, he's just not finishing around the rim like he has in the past. Like, I don't know if it's just if he's declining. I know his minutes are way down, and there's been reports that he's not happy with his playing time. But like, as like a veteran guy, and you're going to a team where like they have Lowry and Wendell there, like you know your minutes probably aren't going to stay the same as they were. Like you're probably not going to be playing 32 minutes a game. Obviously, he's only playing like 21, and he's maybe he was hoping more for the 25, 27 range, but he just hasn't been that good. So, like, if you're not playing that great, like, you're just not going to get the minutes. So, it has been weird. Like, I'm not really sure what to make of it. Other, like, he's just not finishing as well. Like, his shooting's never been that, like, great from outside, but I mean, I guess the jump, the jump shooting's been okay. Just been the stuff around the rim. He tosses up some really ugly shots around there. I mean, he still does do some nice little things and all that kind of stuff. I think he probably has helped with the defense and that kind of thing, but. Yeah, the offense definitely hasn't hasn't really been there. It's not the same impact that he's had, which is kind of disappointing. Hopefully, he'll turn it around because again, the Bulls need that kind of veteran presence on this team since they're so young, and especially and especially with a guy like Otto Porter Jr. out. Yeah, and then when you look look past him again, yeah, they've been playing like Ryan Archidiakono and Denzel Valentine minutes as well, and like Gafford's a young guy, so like the bench has been rough lately. They need a guy like Thad Young to lift up that bench. Basically, it's kind of like when Kobe White's like not going off, the bench is like really, really bad. So they kind of just need him to like go off. But if they can get Thad Young to be playing better, that would definitely help their bench. I wonder if he will get moved. Yeah, I mean, there was a, I saw a rumor out there today that the Clippers might be interested in him. Oh, wow. Like, obviously, the first, uh, I think that also mentioned like Mo Harkless as a guy possibly coming back since Harkless isn't expiring. I know Thad's mm-hmm. in the first year uh, of his deal. If he's not happy, I mean, I feel like that wouldn't be really much of a downgrade. The Bulls do need the wings. Obviously, Harkless could play some of the three and be a, a defensive wing. And I know the Bulls do have Chandler Hutchinson possibly coming back soon, but he's not that good. So, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know if the Bulls would want to give up on, on Thad this early, considering they are right there for the eight seed. But if they were getting Harkless back as an expiring deal, maybe kind of reset if they don't, if Thad's not happy, if he wants to go somewhere else. I mean, maybe. I guess you could maybe see if there's anything going on there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes. Uh, before we start talking more about that eight seed, I was talking about, let's take a quick word from our sponsor, Untuck It. Ever seen Untuck Button Down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. More than 50-plus fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. You can choose some styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, and that's the promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. And we are back, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. This is Jason Pat, and I am joined by Ty Windish of Eurostep, the Bucks podcast for blue wire ricky is off this week so this this race for the eighth seed in both conferences it's absolutely horrible i believe the blazers are 14 and 19 in the west and they and they're like i think tied with the spurs for the eighth seed over in the east the magic 
are 14 and 18, and they have the eight seed, and the Bulls are only a game a game and a half behind them. And then the other like garbage teams we have then there, we have like the Hornets. The Hornets are 13 and 21, except they have a minus 6.5 average point differential. They've lost four in a row. We talked about the Pistons a bit before before the break. They're 12 and 21. They're kind of free falling. They're injured. Blake looks awful. I'm like I don't even like want to consider like the Cavs and Wizards there. But, I mean, there's like I mean, they're the Cavs are 10 and 22. They've been playing a bit better lately. The Wizards are all hurt. They're down to 9.22. I can't even want to. I don't even really want to count them. So like right now. It's looking like a possibly four-team race, maybe even only a two-team race, depending on if the Hornets and Pistons can turn things around. I guess depending on how the Bulls do as well with this tougher schedule. So, and I guess the, I, I don't want the Nets are sixteen and fifteen. They've been kind of slumping lately. They have the seven seed. They're still two and a half games up. But they're I don't guess not out of the woods yet. Who knows what the hell is happening with Kyrie Irving uh, and his whole shoulder thing? Whatever. I don't even know what like that's just been like such a weird thing going on with uh, with Kyrie Irving. But anyways, for this eight seed, the the Bucks are most likely going to get the number one seed in the East. They're, they're twenty nine and five. They've been absolutely dominant. Uh, they they've been winning games even when Giannis has been out. They've been winning games with Bledsoe out. They, Middleton missed some time. It really hasn't stopped them at all. They're incredible. So they're likely going to get the one. So looking at some of these garbage teams down great <laughs> in this race for the eight seed. I guess who would you like to play? And none of these teams are going to beat the Bucks, obviously in a series. I guess who would you like to play in terms of like entertainment value? Just the series that you would like to see, uh, which would be mo- most fun. Anything like that. Who would you like to see the Bucks play in the first round out of all these teams? Well, the Bulls would be nice for like a like a kind of crossing somebody off the list of payback purposes. Like ever since Giannis took out Mike Dunleavy. Oh, that's right. I mean, that was <laughs> that was Giannis's first playoff series, and uh, the Bulls. The Bulls should have dominated, and they kind of did, but the Bucks did make it interesting, and it was kind of a fun series until the last game, just yeah, that was like an a absolute game, right? slaughter. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal, and so that would be kind of fun. Plus, like, so out of like out of those teams, and we'll we'll just we'll, we'll ignore the Hornets and Pistons. I'm not concerned about either of those. I mean, the 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 Pistons have lost their last ten consecutive games against the Bucks, so they're obviously not, including playoffs, obviously not really a threat. The Hornets are just—I I don't, I don't believe in the Hornets. I mean, bad. <laughs> at some point, Devontae Graham has to slow down. You would think, and and, and maybe that has happened. They are—they are, have lost four in a row, but they just don't have enough stuff. So the Bulls, the Magic. I think the Nets will probably hold on, but. I mean, that Kyrie Irving thing is so weird, I think, was what you said. That's such yeah. an evergreen tweet. That's like every <laughs> single year you can say that for some reason or another. So whatever's happening there. But I, I, I'm, I'm low long-term on the Nets, by the way. But that's another conversation probably for a different podcast. But so like Magic or Bulls, if it's down to those two, I'd much rather play the Bulls. Not just for the entertainment value, although I would like to see like the Bucks pace the Bulls in, in revenge for that 50-point game. <laughs> Um, I don't like the Bucks mag- matchup with the Magic, and I know it doesn't matter. Like every time I bring this up, whoever I'm talking to is like, "Dude, it does not matter." Like it's the Orlando Magic and the Milwaukee Bucks in a playoff series. Who cares? But and then then that's true. Like the Bucks would win, I think, in five. But Orlando is like one of the rare teams in the East with a lot of useful, sort of savvy, long defensive forwards, and that's one of the few things that can sort of gum up the Bucks a little bit offensively. And and the Bucks have played Orlando tight in most of their games. It looked like they were going to blow out the Magic without Giannis, but then Orlando really did make it close, and that game came down to the wire. The Bucks, I think, started off the first quarter with on like a thirty-seven to twenty-five lead or twenty-three or something like that. So it was pretty, pretty controlled. And then Orlando won the next two quarters and really made it close going into the fourth. And Milwaukee and, and George Hill especially handled business. But I just I don't love that matchup. And if I'm just going off like what I'd like to see, what I think is the best matchup for the Bucks, 
It's definitely the Bulls. And I do think, I said this before we started recording, I had a very optimistic Bulls take. Your Otto Porter, I had missed that. That kind of it kind of makes me a little more skeptical. I was going to say I think they're going to get the eighth seed. I really do if they can get him back and continue to play well. But I don't know. I, you you kind of whittled me down against the Bulls a little bit at the start of this podcast with how hard their schedule is and, and Otto potentially not coming back. But I don't know. Like I'm just I've never been a big believer in this Magic team. I just don't think they're very good. I've, I've, I'm not a big Aaron Gordon guy. I never have been. I don't think Mo Bamba is going to live up to the hype that the song of the same name created for him. Evan Fournier, <laughs> they, should, they should trade Evan Fournier. I think this is a contract year for him. This seems like the number one example of a contract year season of all time. Andre Drummond is talking about doing it right now as well. Like he's literally said, this is contract year, Dre, which good for him for being honest. Um, but yeah. I just, this like this Fournier season just screams contract year to me. They should really optimize his value. But I, I don't know. I just don't buy the magic. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they got there. They're very fundamental and boring. Like they're going to win easy games or whatever, but I would rather have the Bulls. Cause I think that'd be more fun for everybody. And I think it'd be a little easier for Milwaukee. So interestingly enough, I'm looking at the 538 just like projections right now. They have the Magic at 42 and 48 with a 95% chance to get actually they have them going up to the 7th seed. They have the Nets falling off to 37 oh, wow. and 45 with a 69% chance, which I mean that seems crazy. The Magic, they've played really well at home. They've beaten the bad teams that they, so they've beaten the teams they've supposed to. I know they've gone through a really rough stretch lately, just a really tough schedule. Obviously, they just played the Bucks. Uh, they went on a tough West Coast road trip, so that's I think one of the reasons why they're fourteen eighteen. I know they had Vucevic miss some time as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, they're they're really good defensively. Like they're them and the Bulls are both ranked pretty similarly, giving up like 100, 405 points per hundred possessions. And you mentioned like the long athletic defenders with Jonathan Isaac's really good. I mean. Bamba's definitely awful offensively, but he can at least make somewhat of an impact defensively. Gordon can do that as well defensively, except he's been – Gordon is awful offensively. If you looked at his numbers this season, they're terrible. And he's apparently been dealing with an Achilles thing. He might miss some time, which is kind of interesting. So and the Magic are another just kind of weird team. They, they made the playoffs last year, and I feel like they were hoping they'd take a step forward this year. But, like, their offense still stinks. Uh, the point guard play, like, I mean, Fultz has been, like, relatively compared to what he was. Uh, obviously, much better because he was, like, a complete zero or a negative before. Yeah. So the fact that he's at least, like, a competent point guard is good. But, like, like a high, he's certainly not a high-level point guard. Like, he still doesn't really shoot that much. He can't really shoot just in general. Their offense ranks towards the bottom of the league, kind of like the Bulls. I mean, so I guess they're kind of similar in the, the Bulls that way. They both have pretty stout defenses while their offenses are both terrible. So, like... I don't know, but 538 clearly loves them. I don't think they're, like I said, they've had a lot of tough games, so I think they're probably banking on their schedule getting a bit easier. I believe they play the Hawks tomorrow night, so, I mean, that should be a win for them, you would think. Uh, and, yeah, it was interesting that the Nets are down at 37-45. If you look at the at the rest of these projections, though, they hate, these 538 projections hate the Bulls. It has them going 30-52 and 52 with only a 10% chance of making it. They actually have the Pistons ahead of them at 32-50. and 50. Oh, wow. 17%. I just don't see that. I don't know if that is like incorporates just like how bad Blake has looked and like they're they're really hurt right now. I would guess the Bulls like the hate for the Bulls is just the fact that their schedule is about to get much tougher that they haven't beaten like anybody worthwhile so like they just assume that that's con- con- going to continue and that without Porter it's just like not going to work out for them. I think at this point 30 is probably a little on the low side for the Bulls. I would guess that they get it in probably like 
They're probably looking at like 30, maybe 3, 34. I would still be surprised if the Bulls made the playoffs, to be honest. I guess I would probably think the Magic at this point, just because they made it last year. They got mostly the same team. I guess we'll see. The thing you mentioned about Fournier is interesting. I feel like you could argue that they probably should trade him, but I guess they would probably want him to keep him for the playoff run. Like, I don't know if yeah, he's going to stay, if they like are going to pay him, but like, I mean, I don't think, know if the Magic are in a position, like, considering like how long they'd been rebuilding, like, before this last season. Uh, like if they'd want to be in a position where they might take a step back and miss the playoffs to just to get a future asset, I don't know. I feel like they're a team and like a small, I guess a smaller market team where they might not want to do that and they'd want to do all they could to make the playoffs. And if I know there were rumors with them like around like with De- adding DeRozan, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so like I like I haven't heard anything about that recently. I haven't seen any other rumors there lately. I mean the Spurs are kind of they're fighting for the playoff spot as well. I mentioned they're right there with the Blazers. So I don't know if they're going to trade DeRozan, even though the Spurs probably should just blow it up at this point because they've been terrible with him and Aldridge on the court together. I, don't, I feel like the Magic are a team. The Bulls might be. They might do this as well. If they're if they're there, that they're gonna. The, the Bulls have been rebuilding for so long, and the Magic have been kind of a, been bad to mediocre like last year. That they might try to take a step forward, and even though they're gonna be, they're, again, they're gonna be fodder for the Bucks. It doesn't really matter which team plays yeah. the Bucks. It's gonna be a blowout probably, either way. But yeah, it will be interesting to see how this goes. Like I said, the race for the eight seeds are brutal in both. It doesn't really matter because again, the Bucks are awesome. Let's talk a bit about just kind of the Bucks and the season they're having in general. Giannis is having, I mean, the th- crazy thing about Giannis is you, you look at like his numbers, he's basically gotten better every single season of his career. He's been making, taking and making more threes this year. Uh, what was the game where he hit, what, like five or six? Th- that the was against the Lakers, Lakers right? Yeah, and he did, Lakers and he did like the whole, he did the whole like crown thing after hitting like pull up threes. <laughs> he had like a 30 footer in that game. So like when Giannis is doing that, that's absolutely incredible. Incredible. So the fact that he's just still getting better, again, he's improved like every year in the league and probably the favorite to win the MVP again. He's been awesome. And the fact that they've done this, they, they lost Malcolm Brogdon, which I thought was a mistake. But I mean, right now, it does. they look fine. They got Matthews and DiVincenzo and uh, Corver on the wing. Uh, so I guess just, obviously the Bucks are great. Just like, do you think this team is actually better than last season's team? Do you think that they should legitimately be the favorite. Are you expecting them to win not only the East but also win the finals? Just what are, just your overall like arching takes about this Bucks team and where they should go because they're obviously awesome. Yeah, so the going into the Philly game, I thought they would for sure win the East and they would at least have a chance to win against one of the LA teams, whichever one goes to the finals. I, I'm leading Lakers now. I was leading heavily Clippers before the year, but the Clippers have given me a little pause, but um, the, the Philly game, obviously not ideal and it is just one game, but Philly was very good at, at, you know, stopping the bucks, which they blatantly assembled their team to do that. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole thing with Horford and everything else was like, just give them as many bucks to honest defenders as possible. But I think there was a lot that can be cleaned up with that game. So it's like, so interesting. I think the bucks right now, the way their team is built, they absolutely have what it would take to win a championship. I think there's some questions with coaching, for sure. I'm, I think it was kind of on display in that Sixers game. I mean, a lot of the time when the Bucks system, like the Bud system, like the motion, the space, all that, when it gets gummed up, they have trouble adapting and, and doing anything else. I mean, that was clearly the momentum in the Raptors series. When Toronto puts Kawhi on Giannis and gums up the system, they didn't switch. You know, they didn't try to, like, pick and roll with Chris Middleton or anything like that. They didn't try to use Brooke Lopez more. They actually used him less and they just, they, they didn't have a, a second punch, so to speak. You know, the first punch gets parried or whatever. The Bucks didn't have a, a left anything. It was like right haymaker spammed over and over and over yeah. again. And, and it stopped working and it was like, Oh, what now? We don't know. So 
uh, what we've been looking for on the Eurostep all year is like how the Bucks do other stuff because we know what's going to work. Like we know in the Bulls game, the Giannis thing is going to work. Like they don't really yeah. need to do that much. Space the floor with Giannis, have Giannis drive, kick, whatever. It'll work. Transition. They'll get a bunch that way. Their defense is obviously terrific, um, and it'll just work that way. They need to figure out how to do other stuff, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's I think is even much bigger than like the loss of Brogdon, who my thing with Brogdon always has been if they use the picks to do other stuff, I don't actually hate the move. I think Brogdon is a good player, a very good player. Might be an all-star this year, which is terrific yeah, for him. <laughs> but uh, you, if, if you like, his efficiency is down, as, as I think pretty much everyone expected. And he's yeah. a 50-40-90 guy as the fourth or fifth option on a team, which, again, is terrific. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he's not going to put up 50-40-90 while averaging like 20-10 and 10 or whatever yeah. he's putting up right now. And I think this team, like, he just wasn't going to be the guy to – he wasn't going to get that role on this Bucks team ever. So I think why not get stuff for him? I think that actually worked out pretty well for the Bucks, as long as it wasn't strictly just let's save some money. Then I hate it so yeah. much. <laughs> I hate it so much. But, like, Drew Holiday apparently is on the market now. Right. Like, if you can use those Indiana picks to go get Drew Holiday, then, like, okay, terrific. Like, that's clearly an upgrade. Um, but I mean, I haven't said his name yet, but so much of this season, postseason, everything is going to come to the guy making his return to the lineup against the Bulls, yeah. probably Eric Bledsoe. I mean, it's all this. So like if Eric Bledsoe plays like he does during the regular season in the playoffs, it's probably the one time champion or two time now champion Milwaukee Bucks. We're talking about not a team looking to, to win the first one since Kareem left. So I don't know. It's very interesting. So my thing is like, can the Bucks coach better, and can Eric Bledsoe be better? If they can do both of those things, I think they could certainly win a championship. If you can maybe upgrade Eric Bledsoe to someone like Drew Holiday, I don't know who else it would be, who knows, but then I think they probably would win a championship because they'd just be too good, even if there were still some schematic concerns. I think they'd just be too potent with Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. But, so that's my long-winded take on the Bucks. So like, the regular season's going to be great. We all know this, that they're just way too good for most teams, but... I just think they need to get better at some things that they can certainly get better at, and then they could definitely win a championship. Yeah. The Bledsoe thing is so interesting. Because you said he's been pretty good in the regular season. I feel like he was huge in that first Bulls game. Bunch of winning plays. He had a monster game. I think he was pretty bad in the other one. But in general, what what do you think is like his deal with the playoffs? Because he's been pretty consistently not good, right? Oh in yeah, the playoffs. horrible, like, what, awful. Yeah, just say like, what. What do you think is the problem there? Like, what is like? Why does he get so much worse? You think it's just a, a just a weird thing where he's just like not prime time playoff player? Like, what is the deal there? Why isn't he? Why can't he ma- at least come close to matching his uh, regular season output when he's playing in the postseason? I mean, it's hard to say anything else than it's like the yips or some form of it. You know, like it's just uh, some sort of a mental thing because it's not like you know the the Cel- he was awful against the Celtics, got completely outplayed by Terry Rozier, which obviously should not <laughs> have right. happened. And, yeah. You know, if that doesn't happen, the Bucks probably win that series. I mean, they had the best player. They they were looking great in that series, but Rozier just absolutely ate Bledsoe's lunch on both ends. And and then uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry absolutely torched Milwaukee in that Raptors series, where if you go back and watch, I mean, uh, Kawhi gets a lot of credit for that run in that series. Kawhi was great. The Bucks were doing pretty much fine on Kawhi. Like, Kawhi wasn't going to beat them by himself. Fred Van Vliet shot, like, 80% from three I or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was crazy. Shout out to FVV Jr., the MVP of the Raptors' whole run. But And Lowry was great, too, and Bledsoe couldn't do anything. And he scored, like, I think he scored 13 points per game in both of their playoff runs, which is not a ton down from his regular season. He's not always a huge scorer for them, but it's certainly down. And his efficiency has been terrible. And it's 
like no, those teams aren't locking on to Eric Bledsoe. Right. It's not like he's the game plan. So like some guys in the playoffs, you can go, oh well, it's just different. Everything else, it's not that much different for him. Like teams are worried about Giannis first and foremost, kind of only. Then they're thinking about like, what do we do about Brook Lopez on both ends? What can we do about Middleton? Bledsoe's just kind of a guy who's there, and he just he he just doesn't he just can't execute or he hasn't at least. So that's my whole thing where. I get torched by Bucks fans sometimes. Where they're like, "Why would you want Drew Holiday? Look at his numbers next to Bledsoe's. Like he's not even better this year." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. These games I don't care about. I don't care who starts. But if Bledsoe is gonna play, be this 13 point per game disaster who lets every other point guard absolutely torch Milwaukee, and you look at Drew Holiday in his last playoff series. Well, they lost to the Warriors, obviously, but that that Portland series when he was with AD, yeah, he scored almost awesome. 30 a game." And helped lock down Damian Lillard. Like, it's night and day from Bledsoe in the playoffs. That's why I'm so fixated on the Drew Holiday thing. Because maybe this is the year Bledsoe snaps out of it. Maybe third time's the charm with this Bucks team. But I just don't want to gamble all right. that there is gambling. All that there is riding on this season. Giannis's big Supermax decision. Everything. On if Eric Bledsoe cannot do what he's done for the last two postseasons. So I don't know what it is, but it's it's weird and it's very real, in my opinion. Yeah. You mentioned some of the other coaching stuff in the team, and obviously their offense might need to diversify. I know there was the Sixers hit like a million threes against the Bucks. They oh, weren't yeah. all. They give up a ton of threes. They're great at protecting the rim. They give up a ton of threes, and the percentage against is not great. You worried at all about that in the playoffs? The de- just the how they run their defensive scheme. I'm actually not. I actually think it works well enough for for things to work out because. It's kind of like the uh, the defensive version or like the the defensive flip side of like why the Rockets always lose in the playoffs. Yeah, like I truly think if you can't get inside reliably, you won't win a playoff series. Uh, I I thought the Bucks should have stuck more with their their scheme uh, and used Brook Lopez more in the Raptors series. They really went away from him a lot. The plus minus wasn't actually awful with him on the court. Like I think I think they just got kind of scared of what yeah. Toronto was doing. But I I think it can work. Like especially this year with the the Splash Brothers out of commission and everything else, like, you look around the league, there's not a lot of teams who are, I know the Rockets are one of them, I don't think they're going to make the finals. There's not a ton of teams that are going to shoot your lights out reliably every single night. So I think if you can continue to shut down the paint and just not let teams score there, I think that's going to be a good enough defense. Because I think Philly shoots like that, you know, once a year, yeah. maybe <laughs> once a series, maybe twice a series. And and a lot of other things in that game happened that I don't think would happen again. It was it was an odd game. Credit to Philly, played a terrific game and totally dominated. Although it was kind of close late, but I think I I don't think the defensive scheme is is going to be an issue big enough if they continue to execute correctly. I think sometimes the worst thing about it is they overhelp off of shooters when they don't need to. Mm-hmm. Like Brook and Giannis do not need help. Like please stay on those shooters. I think if they stick to it. They won't allow enough good threes for teams to kill them that way. Or at least, if I mean, if they would, you just kind of kind of tip your cap. Like, all right, they hit enough threes. That's an outlier. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I was just looking at, like, some of the other, like, teams that give up a lot of threes. I mean, it's the Raptors, the Heat, the Rockets, and those, some of the other good teams as well. So, clearly, that doesn't really bother them. And the fact that the Bucks can protect the rim so well. Like, if they play like the Lakers, protecting the rim would be huge against AD, LeBron. Obviously, the Bucks just beat the Lakers the other day in a really fun game. So, so, yeah, okay, so that's interesting. All right, so okay, let's wrap up here just real quick with the game tomorrow. I'm trying, checking to see if there is a point spread yet for this game, and I don't know if there is. doesn't look good. Like probably because of the Giannis injury. Yeah. They probably haven't released anything yet. So, like, the Bucks have played pretty well recently in the last couple of games without Giannis. Obviously, the competition was not particularly good. They blew out the Hawks. 
Uh, they blew it. They handled the magic pretty well. And they said it was a little close. The magic game kind of a run at one point, but they still obviously won. So they played well with that Giannis in those couple games. We, they're getting Bledsoe back. Uh, I guess, what are your expectations for the game? I would still, obviously, though, the, the Bulls have been playing better. I would still expect the Bucks to win probably regardless. Or do you expect blowout, close game? They have The Bulls have competed with them decently well uh, in the first couple games, and those are both with Giannis. What are, you, what are you looking for in tomorrow night's game? I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but I think getting Bledsoe back will help quite a bit just because then the second unit gets better, and, and Bud Love, one of the coaching things, I've referred to coaching stuff, Bud loves these all-bench lineups in every oh, yeah. single game, including the Sixers game. Uh, so you're, like, you're going to see at some point for sure there's going to be like George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Ursan, and Robin Lopez for like extended minutes. <laughs> We're not really sure why that happens, but it will. But like just having Dante on the second unit will help as opposed to him at the starters because then it's like Corver out there instead of him with Pat, and it's okay, that's just rough. So I, I think that'll help just to solidify the depth a little bit. So I think it'll be a game where like one team runs out early and then the Bucks probably build a lead. I could see the Bulls going on a nice little run late and then the Bucks probably just like handle it. So I think it'll be like a 10 to 15 point Bucks win, but I feel like the Bulls will make it interesting without Giannis out there. It all really. Yeah. And that's kind of how those first two games were even with Giannis, the Bulls did keep it close both times that I think the second game, uh, the Bucks ended the game on like a 17 to two run. They they basically said enough was enough and they just completely dominated at the end. So it is weird that the Bulls, they have managed, even though they've been bad against bad teams, they have managed to stay relatively competitive against the Bucks. So, yeah, I think I would expect a mostly competitive game again, yeah. But I don't know if the Bucks will get to a double-digit win if Giannis doesn't play. I know they've been playing. They're really good regardless. I would definitely expect a Bucks win. Uh, before we finish up, I guess one more thing. Since with the Robin Lopez thing, we loved Rob- Robin Lopez was a really fun guy. Uh, just a root for, he's just a big goofball. He did a lot of fun stuff on like social media with the Bulls, like Twitter accounts. What has been the, the Robin Lopez and just kind of like the, the, the Lopez brother experience been like, just kind of for a pure like entertainment factor. I don't even, I'm pretty sure Lopez, Robin Lopez probably hasn't been that good this season or maybe he has, I haven't really followed him that closely, but what's the, what's the Lopez twin experience been like this season? So Lopez, Robin, I, I, I always just want to say Lopez, and I remember I really can't. Rallo started off rough. I was actually kind of anti the signing, but he's really come on late. Nice. I think he, he's really meshed better. So what's funny is the best Robin Lopez content has not been Lopi, Lop, I don't know how to pronounce that, Lopez Twins content. <laughs> have you seen any of the wrestling stuff? Uh, I have not. <laughs> the Bucks do like fake WWE, like acted out wrestling before most of their games now. And so like Wes Matthews and, and sometimes Giannis, but not lately since he's been injured, they pretend to beat the hell out of Robin Lopez. Like he's the heel <laughs> and they just like take it to him and do like, they act out SmackDown scenes. I guess they all really like wrestling. So it's literally like Wes Matthews pretending to punch Robin Lopez. And then Giannis comes in for like a fake, like stone cold, stone cold stunner and stuff. Like it's been incredible. Like Robin Lopez has been so fun as the heel before the Christmas game. Maybe this is why they lost before the Christmas game. They did like a fake making peace. Giannis is like, it's Christmas. We can't fight on Christmas. So that's been the best Robin Lopez content is just like watching him be the heel that the rest of the Bucks pretend to just absolutely beat up on, quite literally. That is awesome. Yeah, he did. He did like a ton of goofy stuff here. He would. He did like the he has, the mascot stuff was always a big thing. He did some like like the a bachelor thing on their social media. Those guys are just goofballs. I know recently they did the whole like they traveled to Disney. I think yeah, they did. Star, they the did Star the Disney Wars thing. thing. That's was, right. Was a lot of fun. So yeah, that that's always fun stuff. 
All right, Ty, thank you so much for joining me on Cash Considerations this week. It was great for you to help not only just help join in with Ricky out, but just to talk about Bulls, Bucks, and the Bucks. I, I honestly, this maybe this is blasphemous as a Chicago Bulls fan, but I love watching the Bucks. I'm a huge Giannis guy as a Greek guy, Greek guy myself. I have a Giannis Greek national team jersey that I bought when uh, when I went over when when I visited Greece for my honeymoon a few years ago. So that's kind of fun. So I definitely root for the Bucks when they are not playing the Bulls. So. Thank you again for coming on. Where can they find? Uh, just give, please give a shout out to your pod, to your Twitter account, to where they can find any of your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Now, all the, just quickly, I'm super jealous. You got the. Is it pronounced Hellas? Uh, I believe so. Honestly, I'm I'm a bad Greek. I like don't speak any. No, that's totally Greek, cool. But like, yeah, those Hellas, those jerseys Hellas, are yeah. clean. But I, yeah, I, I love my jersey. Oh, those are so nice. I wanted to get one. I couldn't find a reliable place. But anyway. Um, I'm so I'm Ty Windish. Uh, you can find me at Twitter. Everything will be on there always at T I W I N D I S C H at Ty Windish on there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Ty Windish NBA. But uh, the podcast is the Euro Step, and that's spelled G Y R O. Obvious nod to obvious nod to Giannis there. Um, and that's found on all podcast platforms. It's myself and my co-host Rohan Kadi. Uh, we break down all things Bucks, all things Wisconsin herd as well. Uh, we do a podcast usually about twice a week, so definitely check that out. Uh, as you're, as if you're listening to this, you're very much familiar with the quality of Blue Wire podcasts. I, I like to think Eurostep is right up there as well. Although Cash Considerations, obviously, a complete force in itself. So if you like this podcast and you're somewhat interested in the Bucks, definitely, I'd, I'd appreciate you checking it out. Thanks again, man, for joining me. And this will this is the last uh, Cash Considerations podcast of the decade. Obviously, the new year we are going into 2020 in a couple of days, so that's that's a lot of fun. Quick before we go, the Bulls' upcoming schedule this week as they transition into the new year. Again, they got the Bucks on Monday night, then we got the new year, then we got the Utah Jazz at home, and then the Boston Celtics on Saturday. So those should be a really fun week of home games for the Bulls. We'll see if they can compete against these better teams after doing some bum slaying lately. So. Again, Happy New Year for everybody. Cash considerations from the Eurostep and everybody at Blue Wire. Happy New Year to everybody. Please go check Blue Wire pods out and all the other great pods in addition to cash. And the Eurostep, as always, for cash. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that fun stuff. So it's been Jason. Thanks again to Ty for joining us in Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Take it easy, guys, and Happy New Year.